0: Welcome to the March 11th, 2021 episode of Blood Podcast, your source for innovative ideas and cutting-edge information. Our topics are based on articles published in Blood, a journal of the American Society of Hematology. Today's podcast includes recent studies providing new insights on frontline use of checkpoint inhibitors in classical Hodgkin lymphoma, immune escape mechanisms in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, and the role of SRP54 mutations in congenital neutropenia. First, we'll review results of a Phase II investigator-initiated trial demonstrating that sequential pembrolizumab and AVD chemotherapy is safe and highly active in untreated early unfavorable and advanced-stage classical Hodgkin lymphoma. Next, researchers report on immune escape via PD-1 as a feature that defines T-cell histiocyte-rich large B-cell lymphoma an aggressive variant of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. Finally, we'll review a report providing insights on how SRP54 mutations induce congenital neutropenia by interfering with unconventional splicing of the transcription factor XBP1. Let's start with a research article entitled Pembrolizumab followed by AVD in Untreated Early Unfavorable, an Advanced Stage Classical Hodgkin Lymphoma by Pamela Allen of Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and co-authors. They report that a brief course of the PD-1 inhibitor pembrolizumab followed by AVD chemotherapy was highly effective and safe with a limited incidence of immune-mediated toxicity. This represents the first reported experience with pembrolizumab in previously untreated patients with classical Hodgkin lymphoma. In recent years, there have been a number of efforts to improve upon frontline chemotherapy for classical Hodgkin lymphoma. The combination of doxorubicin, bleomycin, vinblastine, and acarbazine, or ABVD is effective and standard of care in many countries. However, approximately 15 to 30% of patients with early unfavorable and advanced stage disease will not achieve a cure, and treatment-related toxicities also remain a concern. Approximately 10% of patients will experience bleomycin lung injury. Underscoring a need to explore bleomycin-free treatment strategies, one promising route of investigation is the incorporation of the PD-1 inhibitors pembrolizumab or nivolumab into the frontline setting. These agents have already demonstrated effectiveness and tolerability in the treatment of relapsed or refractory classical Hodgkin lymphoma. Investigators believe that the PD-1 pathway is a key mechanism for immune evasion in this disease. Accordingly. Allen and co-investigators initiated NU16H08, a Phase II multicenter single-arm study of pembrolizumab, followed by AVD chemotherapy as frontline treatment for previously untreated patients with classical Hodgkin lymphoma. The primary objective of this trial was to determine the rate of complete metabolic response, or CMR, after a short course of pembrolizumab monotherapy. CMR was assessed using PET-CT to measure the metabolic tumor volume. The study included patients with advanced or early unfavorable stage classical Hodgkin lymphoma, who were at least 18 years of age and had an Eastern Cooperative Oncology group performance status of 0 to 1. The median age was 29 years, with a range from 21 to 77. Pembrolizumab was given as a flat 200 mg intravenous dose every three weeks for a total of three doses. This was followed by AVD chemotherapy, which was given for four to six cycles, depending on disease stage and presence of bulky disease at baseline. Of 30 patients enrolled, 12, or 40%, had early-stage unfavorable disease, while 18, or 60%, had advanced-stage disease. A total of 12 patients, or 40%, had bulky disease by either size criteria or mediastinal mass. At the end of pembrolizumab monotherapy, the CMR was 37%, or 11 of 30 patients. Of the remaining patients, all but one had a reduction in disease. Complete and near-complete responses occurred in both young and old patients. Six had advanced-stage disease and five had early-stage disease. Four of them had B symptoms, while three had large mediastinal masses, or bulky disease, or both. After two cycles of AVD chemotherapy, all 30 patients, or 100%, had achieved CMRs by PET-CT. And those responses were all maintained at the end of treatment. There were no progressions, deaths, or subsequent therapies at a median follow-up of 22.5 months, translating into a 100% rate of progression-free survival and overall survival at the time of this analysis. Treatment with sequential pembrolizumab and AVD chemotherapy was also safe, with no discontinuations due to toxicity, according to investigators. Grade 3 to 4 immune-related adverse events were observed in only two patients, and both cases resolved quickly, following treatment with corticosteroids. This study by Allen and colleagues represents a very promising early step in determining an optimal approach to incorporating PD-1 inhibition into the frontline treatment of classical Hodgkin lymphoma, according to Alison Moskowitz of Memorial Sloan-Kettering Cancer Center in New York, in a commentary on the study that also appears in the journal. However, extensive work, including larger studies with longer follow-up, are needed to determine the optimal treatment schedule and patient population and to determine whether incorporating PD-1 inhibitors into frontline treatment truly improves upon standard-of-care chemotherapy, says Moskowitz. Of note, nivolumab and AVD demonstrated high rates of efficacy as frontline treatment for patients with early-stage unfavorable classical Hodgkin lymphoma. In a recent randomized Phase II study of the German Hodgkin study group, both sequential and concomitant therapy were investigated. Five of 109 patients in that study discontinued treatment due to significant adverse events, in contrast to zero of 30 patients in the present study of sequential pembrolizumab and AVD. Interestingly, most serious adverse events in the German study were attributed to the combination of nivolumab plus AVD, as opposed to either alone. This suggests that the apparently lower toxicity observed in the present study was because AVD was not given concomitantly with PD-1 blockade, says Moskowitz. Overall, the findings from the study by Allen and colleagues suggest that a brief course of pembrolizumab monotherapy may be a potent induction strategy in early unfavorable and advanced-stage classical Hodgkin lymphoma. Study results were excellent, according to investigators, with a CMR rate of 100%, both at interim PET-CT and at end of treatment, a 100% progression-free survival, and overall survival rate at 22.5 months of follow-up, and no patients requiring salvage therapy or radiotherapy as of this analysis. Taken together, those results support further evaluation of this promising sequential strategy. Next, let's turn to a research article entitled, Spatial Signatures Identify Immune Escape via PD-1 as a Defining Feature of T-Cell Histiocyte-Rich Large B-Cell Lymphoma, by Gabriel Griffin of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston and co-authors. The study identifies PD-1, PD-L1 pathway immune signatures that help define T-cell histiocyte-rich large B-cell lymphoma. In addition, They identified several patients with this disease who had clinical responses to the PD-1 blocker pembrolizumab in clinical trials. T-cell histiocyte-rich large B-cell lymphoma is an aggressive variant of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma with distinct clinical features, including a male predominance, earlier age of onset, and more frequent disseminated and extranodal disease at presentation. The tumor microenvironment is also unique among diffuse large B-cell lymphomas and is characterized by a robust yet ineffective immune cell infiltrate that is marked by T-cells and macrophages and upregulation of immune response genes. The mechanisms behind immune escape are not well understood for this lymphoma subtype, and at present not targeted therapeutically. Currently, patients are treated in a similar manner as those patients with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma not otherwise specified. To better explore mechanisms of immune escape in T cell histiocyte-rich large B cell lymphoma, Griffin and co-authors performed genetic and spatial analyses of PD1-PDL-1 pathway interactions in a multi-institutional cohort. They found that PDL-1, PDL-2 amplification, or copy gain in malignant B cells in 64% of cases, which was associated with increased PDL-1 expression. Using sophisticated spatial analyses of cell phenotype data obtained from multispectral immunofluorescence, or MIF, microscopy, Griffin and colleagues furthermore established distinct features of the tumor microenvironment compared to other lymphomas. For example, they found that malignant B-cells in T-cell histiocyte-rich large B-cell lymphoma were surrounded by much higher densities of pdl one expressing macrophages and nearby PD-1-positive T-cells, as compared to classical Hodgkin lymphoma. Finally, investigators were able to identify five patients with T-cell histiocyte-rich large B-cell lymphoma who had been enrolled in ongoing trials of single-agent pembrolizumab for the treatment of relapsed or refractory hematologic neoplasms. Of those five subjects, three experienced a clinical response, including two with complete response and one with a partial response. These objective clinical responses provide preliminary evidence that PDL1 PD1 interactions in the tumor microenvironment are clinically important and could be a target for therapeutic intervention in patients with T cell histiocyte rich large B cell lymphoma, according to Wing Chan of City of Hope National Medical Center in Duarte, California. In this accompanying commentary, Chan said the PDL1 PD1 interactions proposed in the article by Griffin and colleagues are plausible. However, He said that the biological determinants that may impact efficacy need further exploration, including other immune checkpoints not measured, or other immunosuppressive cells and immunomodulatory compounds in the tumor microenvironment. Overall, results of the investigation by Griffin and colleagues provides preliminary support for the role of PD-1 signaling as an immune escape pathway in T-cell histiocyte-rich large B-cell lymphoma. They also suggest the potential for using spatially-defined immune signatures to classify and prioritize immunotherapies over a broad range of tumor types. The final research article is entitled SRP54 Mutations Induce Congenital Neutropenia Via Dominant Negative Effects on XBP1 Splicing. The lead author is Christoph Schuch. Of University Hospital Basel in Switzerland. This report provides insights on how SRP54 mutations induce congenital neutropenia by interfering with unconventional splicing of the transcription factor X box binding protein 1, or XBP1. Congenital neutropenias represent a range of disorders with more than 20 known genetic causes. Depending on the underlying genetic defect, additional syndromic manifestations can occur. For example, Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency is associated with Schwachmann-Diamond syndrome. Mutations in the ELANE gene, which encodes neutrophil elastase, are the most common cause of severe congenital neutropenia overall. In patients with Schwachmann-Diamond syndrome, mutations in the SBDS gene, which encodes a ribosome maturation protein, are most often present. These investigators recently found that mutations in the SRP54 gene are also associated with features of Schwachmann-Diamond syndrome, as discovered by performing exome sequencing on SDS patients that did not have SBDS mutations. SRP54 is part of the signal recognition particle, or SRP, ribonucleoprotein complex. That mediates co translational targeting of newly made proteins to the endoplasmic reticulum under conditions of ER stress. Interestingly, mutations in SRP54 were observed in a wide range of phenotypes, from mild congenital neutropenia to severe Schwachmann Diamond syndrome. In the present study, Schuch- and co-authors demonstrate that these heterogeneous phenotypes may be explained via dominant negative effects on residual wild-type SRP54 protein. Using zebrafish as an in vivo model of SRP54 deficiency, they found that homozygous SRP54 knockout was embryonically lethal within 60 hours of fertilization and associated with severe neutropenia. By contrast, heterozygous SRP54 knockout zebrafish were viable and exhibited only mild neutropenia. Of note, injecting human SRP54 mRNAs carrying mutations exacerbated neutropenia and led to pancreatic defects in heterozygous knockout zebrafish, while by contrast, injection of human wild-type SRP54 MRA transiently rescued embryonic lethality in homozygous knockout fish. According to investigators, these data suggest mutation-specific dominant negative effects on the functionality of residual wild-type SRP54 protein could account for the variable phenotypes seen among patients with congenital neutropenia due to mutations in this gene. Furthermore, Schurch and co-investigators hypothesize that defective splicing of the transcription factor XBP1 may be downstream from SRP54 mutations. XBP1 is a mediator of the unfolded protein response and only functions as an active transcription factor when, in a process known as unconventional splicing, its mRNA is cleaved by the transmembrane endoribonuclease IRE1. Under conditions of ER stress, this takes place mainly at the ER membrane, and translocation of XBP1 to the ER membrane is dependent on SRP54. In investigations designed to test their hypothesis, the investigators found impaired unconventional splicing of XBP1 in SRP54 mutant fish and human cells. Importantly, they found that neutropenia was rescued in heterozygous SRP54 knockout zebrafish with the injection of spliced XBP1 mRNA, but not with injection of unspliced XBP1 mRNA. These investigators concluded that overall, Their results demonstrate that neutrophils react sensitively to SRP54 defects, leading to unresolved ER stress and blockade of terminal neutrophil differentiation. They note that varying dominant negative effects of mutated SRP54 proteins on downstream XBP1 splicing may account for the heterogeneity of observed clinical phenotypes. Furthermore, they said results of their animal studies suggest the potential for specific interventions to therapeutically target the interactions between mutated SRP54 proteins and downstream XBP1 splicing. In an accompanying commentary, Erini Trombuki of the Max Planck Institute of Immunobiology and Epigenetics in Freiburg, Germany, said that this is an important and timely study that could be used to refine and better target medical treatments for neutropenia due to SRP54 mutations. It also illustrates the value of animal models and the need to examine the mechanistic implications of specific mutations to ultimately achieve a personalized treatment approach. You have been listening to The Blood Podcast. For a list of additional authors, as well as more detailed articles and commentaries on which this podcast is based, please go to www.bloodjournal.org. Be sure to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.